you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hallowed be thy name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. There's power in the name of Jesus. Take the third commandment, for example. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. For years, I simply thought that meant not swearing or cursing using the Lord's name, but I stumbled across a simple but incredible realization because a more literal translation of that commandment actually reads, You shall not use the name of Yahweh for worthlessness. You shall not use the name of Yahweh casually, complacently, without respect, without value. It's the moment in time I realise that I actually break this commandment all the time. And more often than not, I break it at church. How much value, how much worth do you place on the name of Jesus? As I thought through this, it reminded me of a girl called Susan from Uganda. She's 14 years old and from a strictly Islamic family. One day a visiting speaker came to her school. He spoke about this guy called Jesus who claimed he was a son of God and had come to save the world. And right there, Susan decided to give her life to Jesus. When she got home, her father found out and he was furious. In fact, on one occasion in broad daylight, he grabbed Susan and her younger brother and dragged them outside. He held a knife to their throat and said, Susan, if you do not stop going to church and worshipping God, I will kill you and your brother. But Susan didn't stop. Her father grabbed her. He took her to a room in their house and placed a mat on the floor. He told Susan to sit on that mat and do not move until you are willing to deny Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Her father turned around, walked out of the room and locked the door. Susan's father didn't return to that room for three months. The only way Susan survived was that while her father was out, her brother would dig a hole under the door. He would pour water into it for Susan to lap up. On occasion, he would fry up some banana and slide that under the door to his sister. After about three months, the neighbours began to wonder where Susan was and they asked her brother. He told them and they immediately called the police. When they came, they opened the door and they found Susan. She was sitting on the mat. She was alive, but only just. You see, the bones in her legs had begun to grow and conform to the way she had been sitting. And she weighed 20 kilos. They grabbed her and rushed her to hospital where they began to rehabilitate her. When Susan was asked why she hadn't tried to escape, why she hadn't even left the mat, without missing a beat, she replied, because my father said, if I was to leave that mat, I would be denying Jesus. And I couldn't do that. Worthlessness. It never even seemed to cross her mind, did it? 
This is exactly what the third commandment is about. A faith driven by a passion for God that realizes not only to be in relationship with Him, but to be able to call on His name is among the most sacred privileges we have as Christians. A privilege the world can't conceive and a privilege that we so often take for granted. You shall not use the name of Yahweh for worthlessness. Susan wouldn't, do you? In this video, we are challenged to ask ourselves the question, what value do we place on the name of Jesus? And what we want to do this morning is we want to pray uh, for those in, our, in the world who are experiencing this kind of persecution or other kinds of persecution. And I know that there are people in this room, uh, you have maybe not experienced violent persecution in the sense of being beat up or, or whatever it may be. But I do know that some of you in this room have told me that because you gave your life to Jesus, your relationship with your family has been severed. And so that's a form of persecution. Today what we want to do is we want to look at those around the world who are experiencing a very, very violent persecution. And so the question that you and I need to wrestle with before we begin to pray is what value do we place on the name of Jesus? Because if we're going to pray to this Jesus, but we place almost no value on him, I think that that will affect the impact of our prayer because it will affect our faith. If we're, our faith in this Jesus is not that he is the only one who can change this world, he is the only one who can intercede in these situations, he is the only one that can transform even the most hardened of hearts of, of those who are causing the persecution, it will impact how we pray. So I want us to wrestle with this morning, what value do you place on the name of Jesus? Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the power and the value of the name of Jesus. That God himself exalted that name above every other name. So that when you and I call on Jesus, we are not calling on a defeated foe. We are not calling on, on some mystical being. We are calling on the name at which every single knee will bow. And maybe they will not bow here on this earth, but one day they will bow. So I challenge you and I today as we begin to pray to this Jesus for rescue, for strength, for hope, for perseverance, for those who are enduring uh, persecution, that we at this moment would declare his value, that we would declare his greatness, that we would declare that God is above every other God, that there is no God but God, and that Jesus Christ is the only one to whom we can um, focus. And so I know you just sat down, we're going to not make you go up and down too much today, but we are going to do one more time. You're going to stand up in a little bit, and the band's going to lead us. And just the chorus and the bridge of how, um, 
how great is our God. And what I want you to do as you sing this song, I know a lot of you aren't hand raisers and, and all that, but I want you to sing to declare. I want you to declare the greatness of Jesus. I want you to declare how great our God is. I want you to sing to declare the value that you place on the name of Jesus. And let us sing this song in a way of preparing ourselves to now go in prayer to our God to pray on behalf of those um, who need him so desperately. So would you please stand? And I'm going to ask these guys to lead us in song. Father God, we declare your greatness. We thank you for your greatness. We thank you that in no matter what situation we find ourselves in, that we can call on you and that you hear us and that you answer us. So Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room right now who does not have a relationship with you, that they would begin even now just to examine their own relationship and where, why they have not turned to you and why they have not embraced you. So I pray, God, even in this room, that your greatness would be made known to us here today. For those of us who have surrendered our lives to you, who have called you our Lord, I pray, God, that we would stand in awe. Like the people of Israel, we would stand in silence now before your greatness. I want to show you a quick little map. Um, this is a map of the countries around the world that are experiencing persecution. And as you can see, there are many different countries who are experiencing this kind of persecution. Um, so you can see it, the ones in the darkest color. Those are the ones that are the most severe. Um, and they are what they call extremely high level of persecution. What we want to do this morning is we want to pray for one country um, at this time specifically. And that is North Korea. The country of North Korea is now on the 14th year, consecutive year in a row, um, been rated as the number one uh, uh, place where, of persecution around the world. North Korea heads the world watch list for the 14th consecutive year now. And Kim Jong-un has continued to, you know, just press in and, and, and persecute those who do not um, follow his ideology or, or whatever it may be. And, and we know that those who are Christians within this country are experiencing tremendous persecution. And I know we have kids in the room, and so I want to be careful how much detail we give. But we do know from media release that his own uncle, when he did not do things that were pleasing to him, that Kim Jong-un had his own uncle stripped naked and fed to dogs. So if that's what he's willing to do to family who cross him, we know that he is willing to do whatever he wants. And so in this moment, there are a lot of Christians in that country who are just faced with this absolute uh, you know, oppressing persecution all the time. So for the parents in the room, I want to read you something that, that I 
that I found. It says, thus being a Christian has to be well-protected secret, even within families. And so there's a lot of secrecy. There's a lot of, you know, stabbing each other on the back. Um, a lot of those kind of things because there's reward for turning someone in who believes in Jesus. And most parents, listen to this, most parents refrain from introducing their children to the Christian faith in order to make sure that nothing slips their tongue when they are asked. Think about that for a moment as a parent to having to actually refrain from sharing the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus with your children in case they would accidentally say something because they're young. I don't think, I don't think any of us understand even just the, the, the discouragement of that alone. I think sometimes we focus on the physical abuse and we focus on the physical the physical pain and all those kind of things. But imagine for a moment as a parent having to actually say, we are going to keep this from our children because if they would accidentally say something in school, what would happen to us? What would happen to them? And we could make all kinds of judgment calls on that, but I think until you are in that kind of an environment, you have no, we have no right to say anything about those parents. You see, right now, our children are in the basement, and, and they're just wrapping up large group, and they are making as much noise. They have a dance team in there, and they are playing music, and most of us would probably think it's a little bit too loud. They are up there having a great time. I can see our, senior, our junior youth right up there, a group of them talking loudly about Jesus. We do not know what that's like to literally wrestle with how do we share this with our children in order to protect them in case they would slip something out. So this morning, what I want you to do, I want you to pray for these three things. I want us to pray for the 50,000 to 70,000 Christians imprisoned in labor camps and ask God to sustain them in that place. That we want to pray that God would change the heart of Kim Jong-un and that he would reform his country and that he would relent from the relentless violence that he has placed on it for protection for ministry partners who are being particularly, uh, practically and spiritually support to the believers in that region. There are many, many people who are risking their lives going into North Korea in order to support and uphold those who are being persecuted. And so here's how I'm gonna ask you to pray this. And we're just gonna play a little noise in the background to kind of offset things a little bit. And, and there's a number of you here that are here as couples, you're here as friends, you're here as family. If you're not comfortable praying out loud, that, that's fine. But I wanna encourage you at this moment to just turn to the people next to you or just maybe you wanna just pray in silence by yourself. However you wanna do, I just wanna encourage us right now that we would just take a few minutes and let's pray together for those, uh, for these three things, especially for the country of North Korea. So would you do that right now? Just turn to the people next to you, turn as family. If you need to stand up and move, you feel free to do it. We just wanna begin to pray for the country of North Korea. Let's pray. The Apostle Peter writes to the church in uh, First Peter, they're experiencing a lot of persecution. And this is what he says to them. He says in chapter 4, verse 16, he says, However, if you suffer as Christians, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. 
As Peter's just encouraging the church in that moment to, to continue on, to recognize that the persecution that they are experiencing, we know that they're, the persecution that they're experiencing is only for here on this earth, that one day they will be set free. And so praise God in the midst of it. I, I think for many of us in this room, we would look at that and say, how? How do we do that? We know that this morning, there are many, many Christians who are suffering. So what we want to do now is we want to just take some time and we're going to pray for them. We're going to, I'm just going to read out some different things that I want you to pray for those Christians. We don't know them by name, but I want us to just pray for them as if though this was our own brother, our own sister, our own father, mother, son, daughter. I want us to pray for these people because we know that they need our prayer in this moment. So what you're going to see is you're just going to see different prayer requests that pop up on the screen. For example, the first one is that we pray that believers will stand firm in the faith. That very often the persecution can be so great that they actually struggle to remain focused and standing firm. And so I don't know, again, how you're going to do this. This is up to you because God can hear whether we are whispering, whether we are shouting, whether we are thinking. God can hear our prayers. But I think it would be a beautiful thing for us to just dare ourselves to pray out loud and to allow the prayers of the saints to reside in this place for these people who at this moment need our prayers. So I'm turning to you now and I'm saying let's all together as a church, let's pray. And so let's start by praying that God would... um, Help these believers to stand firm in their faith. Come on, let's pray together. Thank you so much, guys, for helping us through this. Just a few reflections before we, before we go. Um, according to Voice of the Martyrs, it is believed that there are around 200 million um, people in over 60 different nations who are experiencing persecution at this very time. Um, we know that Christians are the largest identifiable group in the world who are denied their basic human rights because of who they are. Uh, evangelicals are growing at a rate three times faster than the world's population growth and are the, only world, are the world's only body of religion who are growing by means of conversion. And so that's a beautiful thing where even in the midst of the persecution, people are giving their lives to Christ. And so sometimes I think we think here in North America that the church is in decline, but listen to some of these numbers. In China, the Protestant church had nearly 1,260,000 members in 1949. Today, um, they are, have grown to 81 million people. In Africa alone, the rate of church growth has been nothing short of staggering, skyrocketing from an estimated 10 million Christians in the 1900s to 360 million in the year 2000. The church in Sudan is the fastest growing church in the Muslim world, despite the fact that they are facing some of the most horrendous persecution known to mankind. In Ethiopia, in the 1960s, the church had numbers of 200,000 and made up, of, uh, made up 0.8% of the population. 40 years later, and again, these stats are from the year 2000, the church has grown to, to nearly 12 million, making it now 20% of the population. And this has taken place during some of the great persecution that came during the communist era um, between 1974 and 1991. 
Um, today, converts in rural areas face great persecution, such as stoning, the bombing of church buildings, discrimination, and all kinds of other things, and yet the church continues to grow. In India, now, India now has 10 churches with more than 10,000 members, and 30 that have more than 3,000 members. In 1999, one church leader in India reported baptizing 2,231 people in one day. Some Indian denominations are reporting that they are planting a new church every single day. Among the people of northern Vietnam, um, the Hamon people, there were no evangelical Christians in 1989. Eleven years later, in the year 2000, the num they numbered now 175,000 people. All of this growth took place during the brutal oppression of the Vietnam authorities. One of the main reasons for church, uh, one of the main reasons for the persecution of Christians worldwide has be is because of its rapid growth. According to um, Voice of the Martyrs, they say this, it is truer to say that church growth causes persecution than that persecution causes church growth. It's an interesting thought. I think we often think that it's because of the persecution that, it's, that is happening because they say in some countries such as Iraq, Jordan, and Syria, in other parts of the Middle East, persecution has actually caused the church to significantly shrink in size over the past 100 years. So on the one hand, you have this amazing, amazing news that yes, the church is growing. And yes, even when people are being persecuted, the church continues to grow. But this should not keep us from praying for those who are being persecuted because we do have evidence that in some places when the persecution is just so severe that it does, it does cause people to stop believing. I just watched the thing this week from um, Iraq and just the in, in, in amazing amount of persecution that's taking place there. And, and they had smuggled out a video of one of the pastors speaking there. And he says that people are just too afraid. And that the persecution is just so great that people are just too afraid. But here's what I know. That over the course of history, what we have seen in those places when people were too afraid to come forward and people were too afraid to even go to church, that the work of God did not cease to ha happen in those countries. And we look at the dark ages of history when it seemed like the church had lost its way and people were just completely confused. Even then, God was preparing the people and there was a revival. And we are evident of that. And so let's continue to pray, even in these places where maybe Christianity is in decline, that God would continue to do his work. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. What a weird way to think about persecution. And this is written by Peter, who we know experienced a lot of persecution. It's almost like he's saying, folks, when you are experiencing persecution, please don't be asking yourself, what's going on? Look at this. He says, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Does that not go against the mindset of North American Christians? Think about that for a moment. Because so many of us, and this is not an accusation, but I think we could all just agree to this. 
because so many of us have never experienced physical persecution, we actually feel blessed because we have not experienced persecution. And contrary to the Western belief that it is a blessing not to be persecuted, the early church knew that it was the persecuted who were blessed. Rather than following the common Western practice of thanking God for the privilege of living in a free country where they do not suffer for the name of Christ, the early church thanked God for the honor of suffering for his sake. So church, as we are wrapping this up, we must ask ourselves today, what is our theology on suffering? What is our theology on, on persecution? This is something that we must understand because if persecution and if, if suffering is not at all attached to being a follower of Jesus, it will then impact what we do when we are persecuted. And your persecution may not come in the form of stoning. Your persecution may come on rights being pushed on you and, and rights being removed from you that you would rather not have. Your persecution can come in many, many forms. But if suffering and persecution are not part of your theology and following Jesus, what will we do when it happens? And I believe it will happen. So if our theology is that as Christians we will experience persecution, then we would be willing to say what some of these people in, in these countries that are experiencing, it is so part of their life that they don't sometimes even think to tell someone about it. Now, I'm not saying that that's a healthy thing, but these people, when they give their life to Jesus, they have accepted and embraced the fact that they will suffer for the name of Christ. The reason I say this to us is not to make us feel guilty or to, to feel ashamed or anything like that. I, the reason I say this is because if we do not consider persecution as part of our relationship with Jesus, if we have completely pushed that away, one of the dangers that we may face is that when persecution comes our way, the first thing we will do is walk away from Christ. And we will just say it's not worth it. It's not worth the pain. So the danger for us is that we can assume that persecution will never come. And when it comes, we are not prepared for it. So I challenge all of us here today to consider what is our theology of persecution in relation to following Jesus. And a second danger, if we have removed this idea that persecution can be part of our relationship with Jesus, because we are so protected, that we may actually forget to pray for those who are experiencing persecution. And I will tell you, one of the, one of the best things that I have learned to do with my, in my journey with Jesus is every now and then to go to persecution.org or Voice of the Martyrs, Open Doors, these websites to be reminded of what fellow Christians and pastors are experiencing around the world. Let us not become so comfortable in our protected society that we stop praying for those who are experiencing persecution. So I want to thank you. For some of you, maybe you stepped out a little bit this morning and you're new here today or you're you're, you're not so comfortable praying out loud. I want to thank you that you allowed us this morning to just take the entire service to reflect and to focus on those who need our prayer. But let me just close with this. I think before we go, we need to take just a few seconds and we need to pray for ourselves. 
that we do not become complacent, that we do not become so comfortable that we um, you know, lose our way in our walk with Jesus. So I would just ask you now, just for a moment, right where you are, just to pray for yourself, to pray for this church, to pray for this, us, us as a community, and then I'll say a quick closing prayer and we'll be done. So we'll just take a moment now. God, we thank you for Canada. We really do. We thank you for our leaders. We thank you for Leamington, for Essex County. We thank you for the provisions that we have. And I pray, Lord, that we would never take these for granted. So, Father, I pray now make us bold. Give us faith. That we would not just settle into a rut or into a path that keeps us safe. But Lord, that we would live out our faith in you in such a way that even if persecution should come, we would continue forward because this is what you have called us to. So I pray that every one of us in this room would be bold in our faith. That we would not be ashamed. That we would share your love in your message with those that we work with, go to school with, live in the community with. Father, I pray that we, would, that we would proclaim the name of Jesus wherever we are. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being part of this with us this morning. God bless you and have a wonderful rest of the day.